I hope it meets y'all's expectations. Good morning. Praise the Lord. God is so good. How often? Hmm. Even when you don't feel like it? Even when things ain't going your way? Well, uh, praise the Lord. Just bow your heads with me with a brief word of prayer as we give the Lord thanks for what he has done and what he's going to do. Uh, Father God, we are so grateful to you, Lord. Father, there's so many reasons that we can, that we should be thankful for you, Father. As, a, as the saying goes, if we had 10,000 tongues, we couldn't thank you enough. And Father, we're in here and we have relationship, hallelujah, with our heavenly Father, with our creator, hallelujah. The one who gave his only begotten son to pay my penalty on the cross. He became sin for me. He became sin. Say, say everybody say that and personalize it. Jesus became sin for me. That I might become the righteousness of God in him. Thank you that you love us. With such a mighty and awesome love, Father God. And we just, we just ask you to have your way, Father. We thank you for what you've done, Father. Thank you for that beautiful time of worship, uh, in which you ministered so powerfully in our hearts, Father. And, and we just thank you for the word that shall go forth, Father, in, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As, uh, as Pastor CJ alluded to, and as you can see the sign on the, uh, on the stage steps there, uh, we're doing a series on identity, and we're continuing that. And as we resume our series on identity this morning, we're going to address the issue of self-image. How do I see myself? Self-image. Loosely stated, self-image basically means how you see yourself. It is our personal view of our own worth, importance, and competence. Everyone repeat after me. How do I see myself? And I'm asking you that question directly this morning before we continue. And I want you to reflect on it. I want you to be honest with yourself. And I want you to Ask you, I'm going to ask you this question. How do you see yourself? Not just in the mirror, but in your mind's eye. What is your self-image based on? That image that's in your mind right now, I want you to examine it. I want you to critique it. I want you to know, I want you to consider what that image of yourself is based on. In other words, what lens are you viewing yourself through? Are you seeing yourself through the lens of life experiences? Are you seeing yourself through the lens of past failures or successes? How about through the lens of unmet expectations? I'm going down the list. I, I keep going down this list. I'm going to hit everybody. Unmet expectations. How about the, through the lens of hurts you've suffered? 
the lens of what you do for a living. What others say about you? Pop culture tells us what handsome or beautiful or successful, what really matters according to society. Ask yourself this question, what image do I believe? I'm belaboring the point because I believe it's worth belaboring. If our self-image is rooted in anything other than the word of God, we're looking through a flawed lens. I'm going to say that again. If our self-image, if how we view ourselves is through anything other than the word of truth, the word of God, then we're looking at ourselves through a flawed lens. Uh, one of the things that I think is vitally important to do as Christians is to do as Romans 12.2 says, and that's to uh, renew our minds. Romans 12.2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. That means we can't, we can't afford as believers in Christ, we can't afford as Christians to allow ourselves to be shaped, to allow our thinking to be shaped, to allow our self-image to be shaped by the things in the world. We've got to be transformed. We've got to have our minds renewed. God wants to renew our minds in every area of our lives. He wants to change the way we think from a carnal mindset to a spiritual mindset based on the word of God. How we see ourselves in an area where God especially wants our how we see ourselves is an area where God especially wants our minds renewed. We need to see ourselves not through our own eyes or the eyes of the world, but through the lens of Scripture. The church in general has an identity crisis today. Yeah, I said it. We have an identity crisis today. And you want to know why? I, 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 I'm not going to sugarcoat it, but mainly because the holy word of God isn't the authority it ought to be among the people of God. We get to receive a lot of input that we use to inform our decisions, to, avoid, to, to inform our views, a lot of which contradicts the word of truth, and yet we embrace it anyway. And I'm not talking about the lost. I'm talking about born-again, blood-bought believers. Too often we embrace faith-wrecking philosophies, attitudes, and reasonings that are common but are contrary to biblical truth. When we do that, we end up walking in self-condemnation, self-loathing, 
unbelief, and hopelessness. I wish I had an amen. We view ourselves as unworthy and unlovable despite the fact that God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. How can you consider yourself unlovable when your God loves you that much? Now, I'm speaking to you as a guy who struggled with identity growing up, struggled with need of acceptance and belonging. And it was only through my relationship with Christ that I got free from that. What I was looking for in the world, I found in him. Now, you know what? Uh, I, I never met a stranger. I run my mouth all the time. I'm very extroverted. Uh, when I want to be, you know. Oh, y'all. <laughs> you, if I don't want to answer the phone and you call the house, hey, it's going to voicemail. If you're a solicitor, I'm sorry you call me during dinner time. I'm hanging up in your face. And without any remorse, but all right, that's, that's, that's neither here nor there. But my value, my perceived value doesn't, is not determined by those acquaintances and relationships. My value is determined by my relationship with my heavenly father. Amen. And out of that, you know, because of that, I have a healthy self-image. Because of that, I know that I am loved. I know that I am redeemed. I know that I am accepted. Flaws and all. And out of that, I can be loving and accepting of others. Out of that, I am free to love as, 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 as the Lord wants me to love. Amen? Psychology gave us the term self-esteem, I don't know, around 45 years ago. The self-esteem philosophy typically centers around, so typically centers around self, love of self in the soulless realm. In other words, it seeks to make the old carnal you feel better about yourself instead of encouraging you to embrace the reality that old things have passed away and you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. That's, that's the truth. It doesn't mean they won't tug at me and, and, and try to war for my affections and my soul, but I have to realize that, that the old man is dead in Christ. Now, I still got some things to work through. But I'm not trying to earn God's acceptance as I work through them. He views me in light of relationship. He sees, when he sees me, he sees Christ in me. When he sees me, he sees what Christ did on the cross for me. When he sees me, he sees me covered in the blood of Christ. He sees me righteous. Second Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. What does it say? We're new. What, 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 what's the substitute that, that was made? He became sin for me 
And what did we become in exchange? Righteousness in him. So because you're in him, you have right standing with God. Amen? Now, don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean you get to go and just, that doesn't mean you should go and take advantage of that and do whatever you want to do. You are free from sin. You are free from the, from the bondage of sin. Because of what Christ has done for you, you are now free to live a life worthy of Christ. And don't let your mind, don't let a warped view of self, don't let all the communication you get in the world that's trying to lie to you, don't let it in your heart. Don't let it, don't accept it, don't receive it. It is nothing but a lie from the pit of hell. As Christians, got derailed there for a little bit, but as Christians, and, and I respect, uh, you know, psychiatry, psychology, all those things, I'm kind of, I kind of got a bit that way where I do have an interest uh, in those areas. But as a Christian, it's not about, in my opinion, it's not about self-esteem. It's about God's esteem for us. Because there will become, you know, depending on the day, depending on the moment, depending on the situation, your self-esteem can go up and down and all around. Amen? So it's really not a, you know, more so than how we see ourselves. It's about how God sees us, how God esteems us. And I think that's important that we recognize that how we view ourselves needs to be an offshoot of how God sees us. Y'all get that? See, I'm not even going to hold y'all that much longer. All this agreement. I like that. I'm going to read some scriptures to you. Uh, uh, Genesis 1, verses 26 and 27. How does God see us? How does he esteem us? You know, I think we need to be reminded of scriptures that many of us know, but we often take for granted or sometimes take for granted. We are made in God's image. God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. In his image. Uh, flip over to Romans 8, verses uh, starting at verse 31. Oh, you don't need to. Thank you back there. 
This is a, a, a fairly long uh, passage. I'm going to read about eight or nine verses, but it is so good. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did, listen to this, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Listen to that. And I really like this too, because I, I, to me, it's just how I'm wired and so forth. You know, it, I, I envision this being said with a little oomph. You know, with a little attitude, with a little oomph. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? I dare you. It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Think about that when you screw up. And you might be tempted to go back to that old way of thinking and thinking that, uh uh-oh, there he's up there, the hammer of God's about to come down. I just stepped in it again. I'm reading this and it's saying Jesus is up there and he's interceding for us. Remembering the cross. Remembering that blood that was shed. Remembering those stripes that were born. Amen? I'm talking about, I'm hoping to change your view if necessary, to change your view of how God sees you. I'm a parent. I got four hard-headed daughters. Now I have four wonderful daughters. I'm, I'm, I'm very blessed. Huh? <laughs> That's grandma over there. But <laughs> and you know, as parents, you know, we make our fair share of mistakes as well, you know, um, and a lot of times, bottom line, we, we end up messing up and not really being real fair to our kids sometimes. But I cover myself. I tell my kids a fair only comes around once a year. It's a place where they give you fried Twinkies and judge pigs. It's not something you can expect in life. But we still do our best. But sometimes we walk in judgment. Sometimes our, sometimes my kids' mistakes, I remember them a little longer than I ought to. And I let those mistakes Keep on, pile on the next mistake. And, you know, exasperate the children and all those other things. And so sometimes my point is the fact that me as a dad has done those things, sometimes I'm tempted to project that same flawed behavior onto my God. 
unto my heavenly father. And so it's my own flawed actions, my own flawed perception. And when I mess up, then I'm thinking, "Uh uh-oh, he's going to do a me on me. And I'm, you know, and I find myself, it's hard to really, I can't even really press in and enter in and appreciate him for for, for his goodness and his faithfulness and so forth because I'm bracing. Bracing for the punishment. Not because God said, not because of what his word says, but because that's what I told myself. I, I use my own flawed behavior as a lens through which I see how God's going to treat me. The fault is my lens, the one I chose to put on. I need to change my prescription. And I got a feeling that I'm not the only one. That, uh, that can relate to that. I was in college at OSU. I was a Christian for about two or three years. And God really blessed me to, um, become a part of a group of other college students who I became friends with who were so much farther along in the Lord than I was. And an atmosphere got created that where we were edifying and lifting up one another, we were worshiping together, we were getting the word together, and, you know, we we, we would, you know, spur each other on to loving good works, and it was just an, an atmosphere that was so conducive to growing in the things of God. You know? And it was in that that time that I finally realized, you know, the Lord really showed me that I finally realized that if God the Father has declared me right with himself, and Jesus, as I read in, in Romans 8, is always pleading my case before him, then why am I condemning myself all the time? If God the Father isn't doing it, and Jesus is advocating for me before the Father, then who am I to condemn me when God himself isn't even condemning me? Think about that. Doesn't that sound silly? Normally I would say stupid, but... But I finally realized that I am free from condemnation truly free it is for freedom he set us free amen now I mean that in the context of we're not trying to we're under a new covenant a better covenant established upon better promises we are not trying to earn salvation something we couldn't earn anyway Amen? And Greg taught this so beautifully, but I think the perfect picture is the prodigal son. 
All right. And I don't even want to focus on the prodigal son as much as I want to focus on the father. And I'm not going to belabor the story. We've all, uh, we've all heard it, but we know the young man decided to buck his father's authority. Give me my inheritance. I can do a better job with it than you could ever teach me to do. You know, I got this. Just give me mine so I can go and make my millions and be the success I know I'm destined to be. Well, we all know that didn't happen. All right? He blew it all on reckless living. He was flat broke. Got so bad that he was actually craving pig food. And the Bible says he came to himself. And I I really want to emphasize the fact that when he decided he was going to go back to his father, in his mind, he wasn't even worthy to be considered his father's son anymore. He wasn't even, he had already decided, I'm not even going to go and make an appeal to him as a son. I'm just going to go ask him for a job. Just let me be a servant. Let me be a hired hand. Because I don't feel like I'm even worthy. I don't, I don't feel like, I, I can't even get my mind around retaining the privileges of sonship. And what I love about the father in that, in that story is that even when the son tried to go there, the son was like, uh, the dad was like, I ain't even trying to hear all that. You know, I, I will never see you in anything, uh, in any other way than what you are. And that is my son. The first thing he did, he didn't grill him. You know, he didn't, he, he didn't give him the 21 questions. The first thing he did was hug him and kiss him. So the first thing he did was relationship. That, you know, and that, that father in that story symbolizes our God, our heavenly father. The moment that we repent, the, you know, the moment that, you know, that that remorse hits, that conviction hits and we make, and we repent and we, you know, we ask God for forgiveness. It's a done deal. It's a wrap. Sometimes we feel like, oh man, I, I gotta, I gotta sit in sackcloth and ashes. I gotta, I gotta show for like at least three days that I'm really sorry about this so that God really knows where I'm at. And God is like, no, 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 it's done. What's your problem? What, what? (laughs) you know, get up. You're still, you're still my, you're still my little girl. You're still my, you're still my, my, my boy. You're still my daughter. You're still my son. You veered down the wrong path there for a moment, but there had not been a single second where I did not yearn for that, for that reconciliation. There's not a single second where I did not yearn to have you back in my arms again, where I could kiss you and hug you and give you, you know, and, and reaffirm you in all the rights and privileges that you have as an heir and a joint heir with Christ Jesus.
Okay, how else does he see? I'm, I'm not done yet. Ephesians 2. Verse 10 says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, the New Living Translation says that we are his masterpiece. Now, you may not, when you look in the mirror, you may not think you're looking at a masterpiece. But that's your eyes lying to you because you are a masterpiece just the way you are. Your heavenly father, your creator made you exactly the way he wanted you to be. And flaws and all, you're perfect in his sight. You're his baby. Do y'all believe that this morning? All right, I got a couple people that believe that this morning. Uh, Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14, continuing that we are God's handiwork or masterpiece. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. I want y'all to, I want y'all to take these scriptures to heart. All right? Take these scriptures to heart. Romans 8, verses 1 and 2 tells us that we're no longer condemned. I've already kind of jumped the, put the car before the horse on that, but I'm going to read it anyway. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. You know, the world might say, I'm only human. Don't you embrace that crap. Because the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Amen? Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. All right? The Bible says that you are more than a conqueror. Amen? So, the grip that sin used to have on you, once Jesus made an open show of the enemy, once he, dis- once he conquered the enemy on the cross and defeated sin, death, and hell, all that grip that he used to have on you, it doesn't have anymore. And I, I, the church needs to realize that. We think, okay, woe is me. I, uh, 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 the boy, the devil sure is busy and he's at work, so... I, I don't mean, I don't mean to sound insensitive, I, you know, but I'm serious about what I'm saying and, and, and what say, I'm saying needs to be said and it needs to be taken seriously. It needs to be embraced. We need to know who we are in the Lord. We need to know our identity in him and, and we need to know how to stand on the truth of his word. 
You know? No. We're not only human. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah. We're made in his image. All right. First uh, Peter 2 verse 9. I love this verse. It may not, well, I, 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 was not gonna, I was not going to leave this scripture out. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You are chosen. God chose you. You didn't just get dropped off at his doorstep. He chose you. Ephesians 2 verses 4 through 7. I'm almost done. But because of his great love for us. Hmm. Say that with me. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, in order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Amen. No matter what you're going through, no matter how you feel, we're seated in heavenly places in Christ where he's seated at the right hand of the Father. In him, we're seated right up there with him. In the Spirit, there is an authority, there is, an, there is a power, there is a position that we have that we don't... Boy, if the church gets a hold of this, Lord have mercy, they ain't going to know what to do with us. You are seated in heavenly realms. Now, you know what? I'll just trust that what has been shared is what was needed to be shared. And, oh, man. I think that, well, all right. No, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to do something anyway. You know, I'm going to ask everyone to stand. And I'm believing God to radically transform the way you see yourself. He's radically changed the way I see myself. I no longer see myself as worthless or a waste of space. 
but as made in his image and made with a purpose. I now see myself through the lens of scripture. And it is my prayer that you don't leave here today without that wonderful and beautiful revelation of truth. If you're here today, you have a low self-esteem, uh, issues with worth and value and, and poor self-image, don't see yourself as you should, I would encourage you to take hold of these scriptures and, and do what you got to do. You know, stick them on the mirrors, the refrigerator, place them in a prompt, put them in your rearview mirror in your car. Don't let the cops see it. But just feature them prominently in your home. And I want you to read and meditate on them every day. And pray and ask God to help you help them really sink deep into your heart to where it just becomes a part of your consciousness, a part of uh, a, a, a part of your thought process. You don't even have to work to think that way. It, it, you just become programmed that, hey, God's word says this. That's what I believe. That's how I operate. So I'm going to challenge you to come up today. I'm going to challenge you to come on up here, altar call, and I just want you to give God your junk today. I don't, I'm not asking for prayer ministers. I'm not asking uh, for the worship team. But I feel like when the word of God goes forth, that there ought to be an opportunity to do something with that word. And, and, and so I'm going to give you that opportunity. So if you're here today and, and, and you just recognize as the word was going forth today, that your self-image, the way you see yourself, is through, has been through a flawed lens. That you've not been seeing yourself as God sees you. That you have not been seeing yourself through the lens of God's word. And, and, and you realize the, the hurt and damage that you have allowed yourself to endure as a result of that. It's affected your confidence. It's, it's affected how, how, how you believe uh, that God can use you or not. It's affected your, your sense of self-worth. So if you've got junk, it's just between you and God. I'm not asking you to come up here to me. I'm just asking you to say, you know what? I don't care how many people are in here today. I got business with God today, and I'm not leaving here before I deal with, before I handle that business. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So come on up if that's you. Don't let another day pass where you're giving anything or anyone other than the Lord most high the power to shape your self-image. Come on up to the front and bring your ego with you.
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And I'm going to challenge you to tell yourself and tell all the crap that's held you down over the years. You know what? Say, say self. Let go of my ego. Say crap. Let go of my ego. My ego belongs to the Lord. My self-image is shaped by him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We are your church. We are your bride. And spotting wrinkles and blemishes and all, Father God, we just thank you that you love us. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you love us. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. Hallelujah. We thank you for the work, the inner work of the Holy Spirit, Father God. Hallelujah. We're not the full manifestation of what we're going to be, but thank you, God. We're not what we used to be, and we are marching, Father God. We are being conformed into the image of Christ Jesus, our Lord. And Father God, we... We renounce and reject the identity crisis that is going on in your body, Father God. We don't want to be confused about who we are in Jesus. Hallelujah. The word of truth, the word of God is our anchor. The word of God is our rock. The word of God is our standard. The word of God is our banner, Father God. And so we reject all that nonsense that has shaped our view of self, that has shaped our view of you, that has, that has made us think that that we can't do all things through Christ Jesus who loves us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I thank you, Father God, for the work that you're doing even now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. We got Hallelujah. 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 Father God, I thank you for the gifts that you're stirring up right now. Hallelujah. Father God, I thank you for the flames, Father God, that you have set ablaze right now in our hearts, in our spirits, oh God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I thank you, Father God, for, for, for the faith that is welling up, Father God, and the belief that is welling up, Father, in us, your body. Hallelujah. Thank you for the hope that's rising. Hallelujah. Thank you for fresh vision, oh God. Thank you. I'm just trusting you 
that everybody here, Father God, I'm just trusting you that they get a, a, a vision from you, Father God, a vision of themselves, Father God, doing those things that are so beyond what they can do in the natural, that they are no longer, that we are no longer going to limit ourselves to what we can understand and what is easy to believe. We're not going to set the bar low based on our perceived limitations. But Father God, we, we, we're, we're going to say sky is the limit, Father God, the, the, that, Father God, as long as you're on the throne and you shall ever be on the throne, as long as we've got Christ, as long as we're in him, as hallelujah, as long as that word that shall never pass away, Father God, not one jot, not one tittle of it will pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will not pass away. And as long as that truth exists, as long as that truth is real, as long as that truth remains, hallelujah. We're not going to limit you, put you in a box based on our flawed perspective. Father God, we're a blank slate before you. <laughs> we're, we're giving up preconceptions. We're giving you our hurts. We're giving you our expectations. We're giving you our past, our present, and our future. It all belongs to you. We thank you that you gave us a hope. In you, we have a hope and a future. Somebody here needed to hear that today. Somebody here didn't see any hope for yourself. Somebody here didn't see a future. God wants you to know that in him, there is hope for you and a future. Thank you, Jesus. Why is it so important to get this message or to let this message penetrate our hearts? Because when we understand who we are, it will affect the way we act. So instead of trying to act a certain way, just realize who you are. Amen? The Bible says, as a man thinks, so is he. So when you realize who you are, recognize I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am made in the image of my Father. And see yourself as he sees you, all the things that Cornell's talked about. It will change the way It'll change your direction. It'll change the way you behave. So it's not our behavior we need to focus on. It's our identity. Amen? Amen. This is a powerful message, and it will transform our very lives. So, Father, thank you for this message. And, Lord, we choose not to be just hearers of the word, but we will embrace your word and be doers as well. Thank you for giving us the grace to walk with you, to walk in your word. And we do submit to your word, Father. And we thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name. Amen.